Well, up, you guys, in this video, you will be listening to a podcast interview that I had on the Author Hour podcast provided or brought to you by Scribe Media. And in that interview, I talk about the book Planting Your Purpose. And if you have not yet checked out the book, you can do so by going to plantingyourpurpose.com. And you can even get yourself a free copy. Just pay for shipping and I will send it like right to your doorstep. So enjoy this interview. And yeah. That's it. Enjoy the interview. In the book, when I'm talking about calling, a lot of people hear calling and they've told me, they're like, oh, cool, so I'm going to know my spiritual gifts. I was like, if it's about spiritual gifts, I would have mentioned spiritual gifts. Or they'll be like, oh, calling. So yeah, you mean like a job. No, in the Bible, God very much cares more about who you are than what you do. Hey, everyone, you are listening to Author Hour, the show where we interview authors about their new books. Today's episode is with Alec Kasson, the author of Planting Your Purpose, a 20-day guide to discovering God's calling. Do you ever feel burdened by the expectations of others or worry that you're not living your life to the fullest? Maybe the advice of following your passion is no longer enough to motivate you. In this episode, Alec provides you with stories and insights that can help you turn things around. See, Alec believes that finding our calling and our purpose are not things that require some dramatic epiphany moment. Instead, it's simply the willingness to take one step in the direction where God is pointing and having faith that God will guide you every step of the way. Alec believes that God's spirit is pulling you towards something greater than where you are now. And his mission is to help you uncover your calling and find your purpose. By the end of this episode, you'll be one step closer to finding out who God made you to be. And now, here is our conversation with Alec. Yeah, so I'll never forget the day. I woke up and it was like super early in the morning. The light was like barely even coming in through the windows and I'm sitting at the edge of my bed and I just had this thought of like, man, I can't believe that I'm that guy. I'm the guy who's living in his parents' basement. And it's not that it was like a bad house setup or a bad basement. It was just that at the point that I was at in my life, I never saw myself, like I saw myself being so much further than where I was. Like after graduating college, I was like, oh yeah, like I'll get my degree and this degree will open up all these doors of opportunity and it'll just be great. I'll be making a lot of impact and money. But all the doors that I found that this degree was opening was just towards paths that were totally unfulfilling. And it had me just sort of sit and question like, man, what have I been doing with the past like five years of my life? And the thing that really sort of hurt the most was at that point, I really saw myself having like my own house, making my own income. And none of that was happening. And it really felt that everything I was doing was kind of all for nothing. And it was a shame because every type of like inspired thought that I had always felt like it was a place where like God was like really directing me of someplace to go. And when I felt like I had that inspiration from God, I would like totally pour my whole heart into that project or into that opportunity. And it just seemed like they all would start off strong and then just sort of end and not go anywhere. It'd be difficult because I could sense God would be like, okay, it's time to let go of this thing. And I'm like, but I put so much hard work and my all this time and resources into it. You just want me to let go of it? And it's just like, yes. And I'm like, ah. Oh. And after like five years of that, like in school and coming out and then just going back home to my parents, 
I was like, I'm done. Like I told, like, I just remember sitting and I was praying and I was just like, God, I'm done. I, I'm not moving anymore until I get some more clarity of where you're trying to direct me. And in that moment, there's a thought that kind of came up, like bubbled up in my head. And it sort of felt like, or like if you could imagine like a cup of coffee, like just black coffee, no creamer or in it, there were these bubbles that sort of rose up from the bottom of it. And only as it got closer to the top, could you see that these bubbles were coming to the surface. And as this idea kind of came to the surface of my mind, it felt like what God was trying to tell me was like, well, you need to know what the vision and mission is. And it wasn't vision and mission in like the this, this stereotypical business sense, but it was like vision, meaning like, where is it that you're trying to go? What's the end goal? And then mission was like, how are you going to get there? And I was like, okay, well, God, what is it? Like, what is the vision? What's the mission? And then the next thought that kind of came to my mind was like, good. It's a good question. Keep asking those questions. And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, so that's how this is going to be. <laughs> so I sort of started going on this journey of just trying to learn from other people who have run successful ministries, who have started successful businesses and learn from them for how they did it. Because there's a saying that I had heard where it's like success leaves clues. And I was like, okay, well, if I can learn what they learned in 10 years and get that in just like 10 minutes, I can probably buy back all the time that I had spent <laughs> in school that didn't really go anywhere. And that's essentially just like what I had started to do. I started conducting all this research, reading about all these different people, these famous pastors and entrepreneurs, business leaders. And from it, started to started to form all this information that would later become the book, Planting Your Purpose. Yeah, so that's that's kind of like the the origin story of how the book came about. I love that, Alec, and I really relate to that story. Uh, I was saying earlier that I, I went through a similar journey where I graduated during the recession and spent months applying to jobs, not getting anywhere, and wondering, man, what what were the last several years for if it didn't prepare us to get out? And, and succeed in the world. And it sounds like you had a very entrepreneurial journey, which I'm sure every entrepreneur listening to can relate to that feeling of trying things over and over and over and nothing getting the traction that you need to be financially successful or to serve people at a higher level. Tell me a little bit more about what kind of things that you tried that didn't pan out. Well... The very first thing, so like what I went to school for, you might think like, oh, well, he must have gone to school for like some business thing or maybe like seminary. Nope. It was health and exercise science. I was trying to be a physical therapist. And that was the first peg that fell down. I was trying to go to school to be a physical therapist. My second year in is when I started to intern at a physical therapy facility. And immediately I was like, holy cow, this is not for me. <laughs> I was so thankful that I did that internship. I was like, this is just not for me. And how did you know? Why? It was just a thing where it felt like all of this effort that I was putting in towards helping people, it was like I wanted to help them sooner. So a lot of the people that we were seeing, like some people go to physical therapy because they get injuries and then they have to get rehabilitated so then they can regain normal function. But there's a lot of people who were in there who were injured just because of improper overuse. So if you can imagine like your car, if like the wheels aren't properly aligned, it'll damage the car after driving 100,000 miles with misaligned wheels, it's going to really damage the car. And that's that was all the people that I was seeing. I was like, wow, they're 
just not walking properly on their feet, which is causing their knees to buckle in, which causes the hip pain that throws out their lower back, which is giving them the neck pain. And now they got these headaches. And it's like, I was like, I can't help them that much now. It's too late. And that was the mentality in terms of like helping people physically. So I was like, okay, well, maybe I can be a personal trainer when people want to take that step. So I tried to be a personal trainer. That too, I was like, ah, I'm like, I... I don't know what that next thing is, but I want to help people even earlier than that. And ultimately, what I began to realize as I'm learning more about physical therapy, all this stuff, I was also like really diving deep into my walk with Jesus. He was starting to highlight that I really want to help people on a deeper level. So I was seeing it like a timeline, but but I was trying to help people earlier, but he wanted me to help people on a deeper level. And I was misinterpreting that those those cues, which is why I was like, oh, I want to help people before they get injured. Yeah, so at the personal training job, eventually I got I got let go from there. They were just like downsizing. And then I was like, well, I got all this knowledge of personal training. I'm gonna start a fitness app. And I was working on that. And it just felt like I was like constantly working and working and working on this thing. And it just wasn't bearing any fruit. And then I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna just, I don't know. I just have to like maybe pause for a little bit. And then I started getting some inspiration for like a YouTube channel. I still have the YouTube channel called the current Christian, but it wasn't like that too. It wasn't like taken off as much as I had wanted, but it was kind of cool because that had sort of like laid the foundation for building up the, the biblical knowledge that I have now to help produce planting your purpose. So yes, hopefully that story kind of, (laughs) kind of had answered that question. Yeah. Man, I've got a buddy right now who's he's been in the exact same position. He's a fitness trainer. He's been working on an app for years and it is so hard to walk away from those projects. But like you said, you you started hearing that it was time to walk away from these things and to discover your purpose. So planting your purpose, a 20-day guide to discovering God's calling. The cover of this book is beautiful, by the way. Oh, thank you. I love that it's structured to be a 20-day roadmap. It's not too much. It's not too little. So before we walk through the process a bit, tell me what are the common challenges or problems you see people having without having a purpose? What what does their day-to-day sort of look like? Or what are symptoms of people who don't have a purpose? Well, one thing, like there's just a lot of studies out there that have straight up just ask people, like, are you feeling satisfied and fulfilled with what you're doing? And our culture is so much of a, like, if you go up to someone, you're like, oh, hi, my name's Rob. Like, what's your name? And it's like, oh, my name's Tim. What do you do? It immediately goes to vocation. It immediately goes to people's work. And it makes sense because we spend a third, 33% of our entire lives working. And there was this Christian organization called Barna Group who went around and was asking people, working Christians, just like, how are you feeling in your current roles? And like two thirds of all of the working millennial and Gen X Christians that they had talked with said that they were dissatisfied with their current roles at work. And 60% of the millennials and 65% of Gen Xers said that they just they weren't fulfilled with the future opportunities that their work was offering. So they're there in a job that they most likely don't like. And then when they look to the future, they most likely don't have any hope for where it's going to lead them. And if we spend like a third of our life in that, like you can just begin to imagine 
all of like the mental stress and the mental burdens that that come with that because as Christians, one of the character traits that's very heavily emphasized is this idea of endurance and perseverance. And both of those things, if you think of sports, and again, I'm the exercise guy, so I'm going to use a lot of sports analogies. But if you think of like sports, like which sports uses perseverance and endurance the most? And that's runners. And when runners hit these points of hitting these walls, the first thing that comes to mind is just like, oh, two two more steps forward because they know those two steps are bringing them closer to the goal or to the finish line. And if you're working in a job where there's no future hope of where it's going to lead you, two, then it's kind of like two more steps towards what? So now you got this frustration and you get this depression that's coming on. And with all of that weighing on you, when you do get done your work, you come home and you don't have any energy to pursue any other type of passion. So it just creates this kind of like downward spiral of this void of, of purpose. And of course, you know, people try to, well, I'll just try to make more money at my job, but it's like that Bob Marley quote, money's just a number. And it's just, it can always just be a higher number. And statistically, there's this thing where like, once you make a certain amount of income, the amount of happiness that you get from it, it just, it's inverse. It doesn't, it does not go up. Like there is a point early on when, yes, when we make more income, we studies show that we are happier, but it does get to a point where it doesn't matter how much more money you make. It just doesn't press that button of like, oh, I'm feeling better. I'm feeling more, more joyful. And that's where this purpose thing comes in. Like, who is it that God, not necessarily what is God calling you to do, but who is God calling you to be? And that's the real emphasis of this book. So it's not necessarily like you'll get to the end of the book and it's like, oh, wow, I've been working as an engineer this whole time, but I was really supposed to be a piano player. It's like, no, it's not. It's like, who? what's the character that God wants you to thrive in? And what are the values that you should have? What did this process do for you? Where is your life now compared to where it was? Well, that idea of that future hope, it's one of those things, like I was kind of telling you a little bit earlier, like after having written this book, it's like, wow, it kind of ended at a point where I'm like, I just want to provide even more value. I feel like I, there's even more topics to talk about and more problems that can be solved. And it really, it feels like it re- like not only had gone through the planting your purpose process for me, helped me to better see like vocationally where God is bringing me, but like relationally, it's helped out a whole lot. So I'm like, newly married and being a husband is like a brand new, I've never been a husband before. And <laughs> this is like the first time I've been one. And I don't plan on being a new husband ever again. Like this is the most important role I think I've ever had in my entire life because no one else can replace me. In a job, someone can, you can get fired and the business can replace you, but I'm not A, getting fired <laughs> from this position and B, I, I don't want anyone to replace me for it. So like, what does it look like for me to be a husband? And having gone through like the Planting Your Purpose book, the values that I discovered through it, and that's a thing too. Like when you go through this, you're discovering who it is that God's calling you to be. It's not me telling you, like I'm not giving you the things. It's like, here are the materials and God begins to highlight things for you as you're going through the book. So by the end of it, I was like, oh, wow. As a husband, I'm to be... An encouraging, trustworthy, generous, and serving husband. So those were kind of like some of the values there. So it's like encouraging. Like I'm looking for 
the strengths in my wife. And I'm speaking light into those things. Like I'm calling those things out. Trustworthy. I'm When I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it right then and there. Because that's something I struggle with a little bit. She'll be like, like, oh, babe, can you uh, can you help me with getting the laundry out? And I'll be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but like, I don't mean, oh, yeah, right now. I mean, oh, yeah, whenever I feel like it. So three like, days later. Three, yeah, right. <laughs> and then we don't have any clean clothes and it's a, it's a mess. But yeah, so it's like trustworthy. I'm going to get up. When I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it right then and there. Generous. I'm going to do things despite me feeling like I want to do them. When we are generous, it's not like, oh, I have the things to give you. It's if someone has $100 million and they give $1,000 to some charity, to the $100 millionaire, there we go. (laughs) That's like a drop in the bucket for them. But for someone who's only making $30,000 a year, if they give $1,000, that's like, wow, that was very generous of them. So moments when I don't feel like I got the energy for something, it's like, bam, I'm going to be a generous husband. I'm going to do that. And then serving. It's like everything I do, I want to do for the betterment of my wife. And those values are ones that super stuck out for me as I was going through the book because God was highlighting that stuff for me in a very unique way. And using the analogy of planting, you know, planting your purpose, it's a garden. There are some seeds that won't do well in certain types of soil. And in the Bible, there's a lot of talk about having a hard and a soft and fertile heart. So I, mean, I use that analogy in, the, in this book, where if our heart is this garden and the seeds that we try to plant in there aren't the ones that God wants to plant, then they're not going to be fruitful. It's like you can't try to plant a cactus in like a Florida marshland, it doesn't that doesn't work, and you can't try to plant like an apple tree in the desert. At least I don't I don't think you can. It's just like it's too dry there. So you're going through this book, and it's like, wow, like these are the values that God really wants to emphasize, and have these become fruitful in my life. And knowing those things early on, like I've only been married for like it's almost been a year now, and having that knowledge now, oh my gosh, I can't even begin to imagine all of the petty arguments that have been avoided because of because of this stuff. It's it's helped us grow closer together and it's also helped to avoid a lot of unnecessary friction. <laughs> yeah, I'd imagine in congratulations by the way on oh, becoming a husband. Welcome to the club. Yeah. <laughs> so, I guess for your book, like you said, you you follow the gardening analogy of laying the groundwork, cultivating, digging, envisioning, planting, watering. And so we can't go through all of them, but let's walk the listeners through groundwork. What do they need to do at the very beginning to lay the groundwork for their purpose? Well, in the in the groundwork section of the book, it's very much about trying to establish, like I want everyone to be on the same page when they're going through this book. So for example, terminology. In the book, when I'm talking about calling, a lot of people hear calling and they've told me, they're like, oh, cool. So I'm going to know my spiritual gifts. I was like, if it's about spiritual gifts, I would have mentioned spiritual gifts. Or they'll be like, oh, calling. So yeah, you mean like a job. And I'm like, no, in the Bible, like God very much cares more about who you are than what you do. So laying certain terminology foundations like that. And then another one, for example, vision and mission. At the end of the book, you will have like a vision mission statement. But again, it's not like a business vision mission statement. 
it's kind of like a credo or like a personal motto type of thing. So for me, being an encouraging, trustworthy, generous, and serving husband, that's the vision. Like that's what I'm aiming for. And then the mission would be specific steps of reaching that, fulfilling that. Other things of groundwork include just understanding like the severity of what's going on. 60% of millennials, 65% of Gen Xers not being satisfied with their job in the workplace or not feeling fulfilled of like the future opportunities that it holds. Like if there's someone who's going through that and they read that, they're like, oh, wow. Okay. So I'm not like the only one. It makes it feel less like the individual is doing something wrong and makes it more aware that no, this is, this is slightly more of a systemic problem here. Well, you have day three here, which says first things first. What's that part about? So for example, on, on day three, there's this whole chapter talking about first things first. And in the Bible, I have the quote here in Matthew 6, verse 33, Jesus is saying, seek first his kingdom, meaning you know God's kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And he's talking about how people are kind of very stressed out about like, oh, what am I going to wear? Where am I going to get food? And he's like, hey, 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 you know, there's all these things going on around us. What I want you to focus on first is seeking what God is doing in you and around you. And this chapter, it not only just says like, oh yeah, do that, but also points out like the bad side effects of what happens if you aren't seeking that out first. Because a lot of times I've experienced it in some churches where it's just like, they'll read a quote from the Bible and they're like, that's it, case <laughs> closed. And I'm like, well, come on, give me some more. There's no room for interpretation there. <laughs> yeah, right. So I'm like, okay. So in this, I actually like, for example, so it's like, what happens if you're putting people first? And if you're putting people first, your identity, it's based on like how other people are treating you. Do they accept you? What do they expect of you? Their opinions of you, it's, you know, that totally influences what you view for yourself. And it doesn't matter if it's true or false. Like if you're putting other people first, everything that comes from those other people, it drastically influences your image of yourself. So your trajectory, like where you're going in life, it's totally limited by what others think is best for you. And it's sad because I know there's people in my life who really love me, but when they heard this idea that, wait, you're not going to be a physical therapist, you're going to what? You're going to try to start a YouTube channel? And then it's like, you're going to try writing, you, you know, you don't make a lot of money from books. And I'm just like, they, they're not saying that because they don't like me, but they genuinely believe that what's best for me is to do the things that are safest. Yes. And it's just like, you can't, you can't thrive if you're always trying to play it safe. Where we go in life, it's limited by those types of people. Our discernment, it's limited by other people's perspectives. And it's not that other people's perspectives are bad, but you're only getting a small view of what's going on. And it's also distorted to meet what they want and desire. Because we all, you know, we all have our own wants and desires. So when people are trying to think of what's right or what's best for you, it is ultimately going to be their decision is going to be influenced by what they want and what they desire. So you could think of helicopter moms. What they would ultimately love is for all of their baby boys and baby girls to just stay at home, not leave the house ever. But yeah, that's totally dangerous. Like you can't function as a human being <laughs> living like that. And yeah, I don't want to go too much deeper into the whole thing of putting people first, but that's just one example. Like imagine putting money first or putting possessions first or putting pleasure first and then even putting your work first. I was telling you about this. Like I, I'll just keep working. It's just like, I feel like I got to keep doing stuff, but God doesn't call us to just continue to work. 
when Jesus comes, he's like, oh, you can find rest in me. So it's like, wait, if Jesus is talking all this stuff about rest, then like, why am I so driven to do work? And if I have it be first, it could be totally devastating in my relationships and just my health and things like that. So this chapter, you know, that day three right there really goes into depth of all of those things. And as you read through it, it's ultimately going to happen. You're going to read something and you're like, holy crap, that's me. I'm doing that. And it happens. There's this idea of being a living sacrifice that they talk about in the Bible as well. And that idea is like, like a dead sacrifice. Not that we, you know, we don't do animal sacrifices and stuff. At least we shouldn't uh, be doing animal sacrifices and stuff. But like, imagine like, bam, sacrifice an animal or even sacrificing like money. Bam, you give money. It's done. It's over with. It can't do anything. But being a living sacrifice, it means you have the opportunity to get yourself up off the altar and walk away. So recognizing these things, it's like, oh man, I'm putting this thing first. That's part of being a living sacrifice, but you got to acknowledge it. And then you got to be willing to put yourself back in that place of being like, okay, Jesus, I'm going to put you first. Yeah. So it's actually, it's actually a pretty short day, the day three one, but it talks about a lot of really important stuff. Yeah. And like I said, there's so many more things in the book that we just won't have time to to go through, which is why listeners will need to pick up a copy on Amazon. But <laughs> so tell me, have you put a bunch of other people through this 20 day journey or even has your wife gone through it? And if so, what's been your favorite transformation or success story that you've witnessed? I think the biggest success that I've seen with people who are going through this is A, they're like, wow, this is like a whole, almost like a new way of experiencing growth spiritually. And then the other thing is just, it sparks that desire to at least want to go further in the journey. Because there's this expression that, oh, the opposite of love is hate. And it's like, no, the opposite of love is apathy. You just totally don't care. Jesus talks about that, how you'd rather have someone who's super hot or super cold in terms of their desire to be with him. But the person who's lukewarm, that kind of is like in the middle, doesn't really like, ah, eh, doesn't really care too much. He's like, I spit that. He was, he was talking about water. Like he'd rather have hot water or cold water, but the lukewarm, it, ugh, he like ugh, spits it out. And the thing that's been really cool is that this at least really sparks that desire where it's like, I want to go further in this journey with Jesus. And because it's like a guide, it, it allows people to do that. So maybe in the beginning, it begins to stir that curiosity there. And then by the end of it, it's like, wow, I'm feeling so much closer to God. And I'm so much more aware of what he's trying to do in my life to kind of produce fruit in all of these various areas and these roles that I fill in my life. So Alec, tell the listeners where they can find you, where they can get more information about what you are doing and potentially follow your work. Right now, I'm building out the website for plantingyourpurpose.com. It's just one word. And if you want to see me on YouTube, I have all of my various Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter links on YouTube. But if you go on YouTube, type in The Current Christian. It's three separate words. My YouTube channel, it should pop up first. I've tried my hardest to improve the search engine optimization for that. But The Current Christian, if you see me on YouTube there, feel free to subscribe. But you can also find me on on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter through the links that I've provided on that channel. Excellent. The book is Planting Your Purpose, a 20-day guide to discovering God's calling. Alec, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, hey, thank you so much for, for having me here. It's 
I'll tell you the truth. I was a little nervous at first, but you know, this is, <laughs> the time has has flown by. You, you're a really great host, and super thankful for that. <laughs> Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Thanks so much to Alec Casson for being on the show. You can buy his book, Planting Your Purpose, on Amazon.com. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to Author Hour on Apple Podcasts and take a second to leave us a ranking and review. It means a lot. We'll see you next time.